welcome to Big Blend Radio, where we celebrate variety and how it adds spice to quality of life. Hey, everybody, welcome to Big Blend Radio. Today, we are super excited. We have Audrey Gale joining us. She has written the book, The Human Trial. and This is her second novel. In fact, it's part of a whole series. And you know what? We're talking historical fiction. We're talking medicine. We're talking about really good characters. So check out her website, AudreyGaleAuthor.com. So welcome, Audrey. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. The Human Trial. So this has got some mystery in it. So I want yeah. you to set it up before I mess it up and tell everybody too much. But we do. <laughs> what I love about this, I want to talk about people and characters because none of us are perfect. But um, you really kind of get into the, th- this has history to it too. So we, we're going back. So right. we're kind of looking at the medical industry like a little bit earlier in times, but the uh, the Western medical in- industry, right? And yeah. that's, that's correct. and I am allowed to use the word industry around you, I believe. I, I, I believe that is very fitting because it is a super, wealthy, powerful um, business these days. Um, let me, I have statistics. I usually have to look them up. But I think we are spending, what, 40, no, $2.5 trillion a year on medicine in the United States, which interestingly enough is twice as much as any other developed Um, wealthy developed country on the globe. It is twice as much. And here's the real kicker. At the same time, we're losing uh, the game of life expectancy against all of those same uh, rich countries that we can compare ourselves to. And we've been losing life expectancy against all of them since 1980. Oh, so I think that ever since cocaine was really the big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> no, but no, 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 no. But no, that's interesting because of how America changed in the 80s commercially. It, it, and, and how the medical industry changed. Uh, ever really actually. So what happened after World War II in our country here is that um, because of penicillin and all of the important discoveries that helped our soldiers come back from war, at least some of them, um, the government, our government thought, well, you know, there's got to be some really good stuff out there. And they started investing in the pharmaceutical industry. So in a way, uh, in a way, we're all sort of participants through our tax mm-hmm. dollars. And then that set the pharmaceutical industry up to be uh, very wealthy, very pervasive and strong. And it's never stopped. It, In fact, of the of the research dollars that we spend in the U.S. every year, Again, I wish I had, I got to write these numbers down where I can find but that's, them. But, but I mean, it's a general thing. What you're talking about is it's very interesting to me because it sounds very innocent and not understanding how these it's, it's very innocent. Like, oh, 
they're helping our soldiers. They're helping this. They're helping that. And so let's invest. No one's going to say, no, don't invest in healthcare. Right. Right. But right. now you, I mean, how now many, it's gotten out of whack. I, I mean, do, why does Canada have medicine that we don't have? They have this cheap, cheap medicine. medicine. Like, why are we, why is it so cost effective there? And here we're spending so much more if you're a diabetic or, you know, even an EpiPen, like we're allergic to seafood. And as we travel, people are like, do you have an EpiPen? Like, oh my God, are we going to sit there and have like, how are we going to, you know, there's ways to store and do and whatever. Do you know how expensive that is? Like an EpiPen or, you know, just certain little things, you know, medicine. One thing. Yeah. One person I, mean, I know that's going through cancer, one treatment is $14,000 and she has to have it twice a week. You know, I mean, that it's just outrageous. It's just outrageous. So I'm sure the insurance companies are part of this problem, but I've yes. come to call it the interlocking directorate. The interlocking directorate of the government, our government, who is, I, I, I'm going to just oversimplify this. But basically, every elected official, every regulator, every entity in the medical establishment is in the pocket of the pharmaceutical companies. As one MD from Harvard, his name is Dr. Abramson, as one MD from Harvard put it, there's only one place that is complete bipartisan agreement in Washington, and that is the acceptability of taking large contributions from the drug companies. So part of the interlocking directorate is our government, the, the, the supposed regulators who don't seem to be doing a really great job of regulating um, because they're paid, they're paid to kind of look the other way. And the pharmaceutical company is certainly a big contributor. And then the medical establishment itself, you know, there's like a friend of mine told me this uh at an event last weekend that he understands there's only four universities in the United States that don't accept contributions from the drug companies. And I wow. actually read an article. Uh, we are going to get to the book, but I read an article. I know, but no, no, it's okay. No, because this, this all backs good. it up. This is good. Um, I read an article I think it was online and I didn't print it out and I can't find it again, but I, I could if I had to about the Harvard medical students up in arms protesting against the fact that their education was so drug oriented. I mean, oh. it, it is pervasive. It is pervasive. And another wonderful quote that I read about this behemoth, this interlocking directorate, this behemoth of a system that we have, so wealthy, so well-positioned, mm-hmm. people everywhere they need them, um, is the only, only way we can ever hope to change it is by creating demand in the general public. And in some small way or some big way, I hope my book, The Human Trial, is going to do that. Because it has to, it has to change. It has to change. We can't afford our own medical system. Right. So we let's, can't let's afford back, it. I, no, we can't. And, and we used to live in England and different countries and the medical system, even in Africa at that time was good, but I don't know about now. Right. So, cause we're not there, but, um, I want to digress and go to your book so that we can make that connection to what you're talking about because it's a then and now and it shows the history and pattern even though it's yeah. fiction 
Yes. This pattern of also not, it, there's the industry, but the industry doesn't allow for holistic health. It doesn't allow for, um, and, you know, coming from Africa, there's also um, healing through spirituality, which people will freak out about, which there's mind over matter, right? That also oh, heals. And that sounds weird and woo-woo, but it's really not. Um, so it's and some, it's, it, it, it's like a, I, I, so yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people are going to get mad, but I don't really don't care. Um, so medicine can work and, and it actually medicine itself came from, you know, the Vedics and, and, you know, Hinduism and Ayurveda, you know, if you go back into those Vedic scriptures, you'll see the very first surgery that was ever performed was on a broken arm. And that was over in India. And it was about not like what we're doing now, like pop 10 pills. It was about, you know, doing understanding anatomy and structure and healing and anointing your body. That sounds weird, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, my book is not, my book really doesn't go it, into that very no, much. No, I know, no, no, but I'm just saying from our own, the medical timeline of us understanding medicine as of now, which can change because we'll find, oh, some other cave person did this over here. So that's always changed. I mean, it's really interesting if we go through evolution and, oh boy, then I said that word, um, history, how medicine has evolved. But let's go from your book because it starts in the depression era, but this was already kind of, it was starting then, right? Is that? Well, well here's I mean, what my book really does explore. Um, I I have a rather open mind about all these other methods uh, uh, mm-hmm. and my mind has been opened by personal experience. But um, what my book really explores, if you had to put it in a short paragraph or a sentence, is it is exploring the gap, the rather large gap between Western traditional medicine and what the great physicists of the early 1900s were have discovered about our our universe. People like Einstein and Bohr and somewhat later Oppenheimer and Max Planck, who started at the turn of the century, they discovered that there is nothing solid in the universe. You've heard of quantum physics. Well, what that really means, and Oppenheimer explains it rather nicely in his movie, in the movie. Um, what that means is that if you could look into anything, I mean, you and me, the desk, the dog, mm-hmm. the you know, whatever, anything at the sub, 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 sub microscopic level. If you could look at that, you would see tiny bundles of energy that are vibrating. Everything is vibrating. And the early physicists called it quanta, those Mm -hmm. vibrating packets of energy. They called it quanta. And so what we are, what everything is, is a uh, vast spectrum of condensing vibrating energy called quanta in infinite varieties. Um, And that's what creates the difference as we perceive it with our senses. Our senses are reporting what uh, the differences in things, but actually at their 
basis at their most fundamental, we're all the same thing. We are a part of creation. Our bodies are a part of creation. I believe that if you think about that long enough, you'll come to think that means our healthy state must be some form of vibrating energy. Our, Just our, like we have our temperature. Yeah, right? unhealthy. So our temperatures on and off, right? So if you look at it musically, because I think most people understand the feeling and the power of music, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're listening to music like hard rock, your vibration is going to change versus calm, new age, woo, right? you know? So your vibration changes. And so does our thoughts and how we act, react um, in, in human emotion. You're changing your vibration. I mean, there's a whole world of sound therapy. Sound. I know one lady who healed herself through cancer through sound therapy mm-hmm. and sound vibration using Tibetan bowls and changing her frequency. Right. Uh-huh. And we've done a few That's shows exactly on it. Right. That's exactly. And it can happen. Our, our bodies in a healthy state have. I I think of it as a symphonic collection of vibrations going on in my body. That's a healthy state where everything is in harmony. Everything is working as it should. Everything is aligned and the, the, the sequences are being carried out perfectly in an unhealthy body. There is dissonance, dissonance, Mm -hmm. excuse me, dissonance. Um, Something working in alignment. Sorry. I said bad notes being played. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if it was a trumpeter, who was it? But somebody played a bad note. <laughs> yeah. And and the way I think about it in, in, my, in terms of my book is that our healthy cells are, are doing exactly that. They're symphonically working together like a, like someone's conducting and everything is working when it should, as it should. And, um, but when healthy cells start to for whatever reason, some kind of disease or something entering, they start to send different um, signals, different vibrations, which travel throughout your body. Your whole body is connected by these vibrational uh, signals. When when some when an unhealthy cell starts to send an unusual or discordant signal, then as more and more cells react um the the door has been open to disease and as more and more signals get crossed Mm -hmm. then our state of health deteriorates Mm. and that leads to disease now let's talk about the storyline the general don't give it away so we have medicine in this we have history we have people, which people are not perfect, um, which I was saying earlier. So we like that because we can understand because none of us are perfect. So that's, that's right. the beauty about stories is you get to read the book on your own. Maybe you're in a book club, but it's still yours as you read it. And you may find yourself in there or not, even in the imperfect parts of it. That's the beauty of stories. You can. With- you can relate with that and you don't have to tell anybody, oh, I'm just like that person. I did this, you know, you know, so there's a beauty of that. Um, and that beauty can also result in positive change and opening of minds and understanding and opening of hearts too, 
right? So, um, so tell everybody a general story part so we can put the story with why the medicine and all the, the, that, that conversation we're having. So there's quite a bit of, of, of medical, uh, medical science, as well as physics, as I just said, is exploring the gap. But so the physicists discovered these, uh, this this fundamental truth about creation which is at our most basic we're vibrating energy and that was 125 years ago and i find it rather suspicious interesting i don't know the correct word but it has never entered the realm of medicine never 125 years later so what happens in my book is yes uh imperfect characters i love those imperfect characters we all do I find they reflect us to us. And um, so it opens when a a young man named Randy Archer, Randall Archer, from an abuse, a violently abusive home in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, is finds his way to a full scholarship at the age of 16 to Harvard Medical. He enters pre-med, he goes through med, and he actually does a specialization there in pathology. So the study of disease. So um, he he is a, a, a guy that is driven to leave his past in the past. And um, and so he makes questionable decisions and doesn't think through consequences, just like all of us. And he has great success at Harvard. He's brilliant. He meets another scientist who's a physicist who is working in the medical lab. Um, perfecting a very unique microscope. And they begin to study, uh, to work together uh, in the lab. And they begin studying, so they, the, the physicist doesn't have all of the no-nos that are mm-hmm. placed on, on the medical people. So he wants to see what it looks like if you take live specimen, put them on a specimen slide, like on the cover of my book, and look at them living. Now, even in today's world, um, most specimen are still studied, they're dead. We're we're studying the secrets of life through dead specimen. And the reason they're dead is because the the microscopes are not powerful enough to see them in the living state. Now, this physicist is inventing a much, much, much more powerful microscope. And they are able to look at the live specimen and they almost immediately start to run into trouble with Archer's medical education. They're seeing that all diseases, whether you call them viral or fungal or bacterial or whatever, they all seem to have this tiny, tiny little microbe in in the most virulent form, like in terminal patients. Speaking of a dog, here comes one. And um, we love dogs. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We love dogs. Hi, Madison. Anyway, um, so he, they keep working, but Archer's getting more and more worried about it because he realizes that it's kind of undoing what he was taught. And so they end up, they end up finally going through the stages of testing their now don't give don't give everything away i won't i won't but it's uh (laughs) but but as they continue their research they get further and further from medical 
establishment training and they get into more and more trouble. Well, I like that because I think during COVID, the country was divided and not just this country, right? We were all divided on, oh, get your shots, don't get your shots, this, that, and the other. And yep. Yeah. Um, I have friends who have worked in the companies that created the shots and said, don't get the damn shots. I'm telling you, don't. And then other people on the industry side, the medical side and doctors included going, you better get them. And we're all going, what the hell? And we <laughs> traveled the country full time during this and we're fine. Yeah, so yeah. I'm just saying, um, you can get, obviously COVID is real, right? And these right. bacteria, I mean, it's, it's a virus. <laughs> it's, a vi- it's real. It's real. And we're going to have more of them as we have climate change too. Yeah. So I find this very, timely with what you've written um, because as things change and I think that's also interesting because you did it in the Great Depression era yeah there's a reason for that. things were changed they were changing we were changing climate then oh of course if we've you think about been, it we've probably been changing climate since you oh, know, God. man Forever. proliferated over the globe ever but- since we lit a f- our first cave fire <laughs> no, I, I use the depression for two reasons. Number one, my book is inspired by two actual scientists who I was able to learn about and research. And I didn't want to, because the underlying science was so challenging for me, because I'm not yeah, a physicist. That's, that I, I'm, I'm like, like that's, you had to geek out on stuff that normally it's like, oh my God, these are words that we have to like actually look up and then. Then you have to look up the description. You know what I mean? Like that's the stuff you had to do to do this. So you oh, it, it was years, it was years of research. It was years. Oh of my research. gosh! I bet. And luckily, I had a really uh, reputable, really well known, actually, physicist advising me, and I had a, a pathologist advising me. So I had, I always had a way of sort of coming back full circle and making sure I understood. But anyway, it's based on these two guys, and they actually worked during the Depression era. And so I did it because of that, number one. But number two, as a writer of fiction, you kind of have to keep your characters under pressure all the time. And so the Depression put everybody under pressure in the entire world. So it added an element to help the stories build suspense. And so that's why I did it. And it's it's actually the valid time frame. But I do intend to write. I've already written uh, in rough form a sequel that takes place in the 1970s. And so it's going to be an inter a multi-generational yeah. saga. And it will go all the way to COVID in in 2020-ish, give or take. And so it'll be a multi-generational trilogy when all is said and done. And the reason I like that is because it continually reminds us that this is still where we are. Mm-hmm. This this discovery. But you said 125 years ago, this this technology and it, it, well that was the really... phys- physicist that was yeah. the physicist 125 years ago and then these two scientists who were working together on this discovery uh this discovery of how to use the vibrational rates that, uh, of a diseased microbe to kill it they were working in the 30s wow so that's pretty amazing so we have that and then you know we've got to look at 
we have the microscopes now, right? To see things. We don't have the microscope. So what happened? We, we can see the stars and the moon and all that stuff. Well, that those are telescopes. <laughs> I know, but what I mean, if that's powerful. That what I'm saying is, it's doing the same kind it is. of thing. It right? is if you because think about it, it's identifying um, the it's about where we choose to put our money. The materials in the in the outer space, they do it by spectroscopy. Spectroscopy, say that. And you really did geek out doing this. <laughs> that means studying the color spectrum to determine what the materials are. They do that in outer space. The physicists I work for happen to be an outer space. I can't remember the exact right term, but, you know, outer space physicist. And that's what he did. So, but anyway... Um, Astrophysiologist. It's so. <laughs> I don't know. I know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Just, I just put it out there for fun. But yeah. no, but, but, but I get that. But it not it? So let me just tell you what happened to those guys. So that he, there were only half a dozen of those yeah. microscopes that ever were developed. And they, back in the 30s, would have probably cost a half a million dollars. You can imagine what they'd be worth today. They they were confiscated by the medical establishment. All of them were confiscated. They have never reappeared. All of the science. And so the this research, is the truth, truth part. not the. This fiction. is the truth, truth part. This is the truth, truth part. So I, I use all of that as inspiration for my completely fictional characters. And the completely fictional story arc, um, it, it did end badly for them, but it, and it kind of ends badly for some of them in my story. But, um, yeah, so I was inspired by them and, but I didn't want to have to research their lives. I didn't want to know where they went to school and who they married and how many kids. And I, I, I wanted to focus on the science because the science was really challenging for me. And then I allowed my imagination to create characters inspired. And, and have a storyline. Yeah. yeah. Because if it's not as, if you don't have a story or people, um, no one's, no one wants to read a science book unless they're a geek science person. And, and I'm, I geek out too, but yeah. it's hard. Like you had to totally geek out. And I mean, I use the geek word in the highest form of flattery because I think folks who like what you've done is amazing. To Thank do you. that, to bring it to my brain yeah. and how I can ingest it. So excellent, excellent. Going, I, I, and I've gotten comments. I have lots and lots of good reviews on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all those places that say multiple times it's a page turner. So while we're talking about all this science, there is there is a building of suspense and mystery and fear and yeah. So. It is it is a, a a novel that delivers on the suspense and the mystery, and um, and so and it does people. carry the story. The people carry people. the story. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going back to the microscope. So the microscope is reality. Got taken away, right? Because. Right. Even if you look at COVID now, they're going, well, how did they make this so fast? The, mm. the vaccine thing, right? <laughs> so, yep. so, so, you know, 
I don't want to get in trouble with uh, all, everyone's political stuff. I'm just saying, um, I'm just a person <laughs> and I'm imperfect. But going um, back to this microscope why is why I go to how far, and, and I love that the Harvard part is there about the drugs and everything. Because at one point, even in the 40s and 50s, like my grandfather was on 50 drugs at one time. Oh my because god! Because of how they were doing it, right? Oh my god! And and I, oh, he was the first person even to have a heart operation. I'm going to say operation because I don't know exact. I can't. I don't want to say it wrong. But and they moved him using acupuncture. It was televised. Wow! And that's because of pain. That was. To, to Isn't do, that fabulous? Yeah, and and he could. He was a mean son of a bitch, and. Um, and then would be really nice and then throw a couch through the wall when he could barely walk oh, or breathe. Wow. So what happened with what the medical industry did to him, like a guinea pig, but I don't know if the doctors realized it all until my mom and her brother, as kids, drove a car to L.A. hospital and said, what the hell are you doing to my dad? Yeah. And it took and they went through the list and the doctor, head doctor, didn't even know or recognize like how many drugs he was on. So how far is the machine going? It I don't know if the doctors are as involved as the actual industry itself, kind of like the tobacco industry and all of those industries. Right. So I'm wondering there, about that. There's a very high level of, of the, of the medical establishment that I, uh, that I think is involved in the suppression of the science and suppression of, of all alternative forms that might threaten their wealth and their hold and their power in this industry. It's, it's being threatened. You know, at the back of my book, there's a brief bibliography. So if you too wish to geek out, you can go to my bibliography and there's really, (laughs) really some interesting titles. One of the most interesting titles is called, um, Life on the Edge, the subtitle being um, The Coming Age of Quantum Biology. That tells you we're moving here. The quantum theory is finally going to move into biology and medicine and into our treatment, which is where it belongs. Um, There's a couple of them that write about the electrical systems in our bodies. And for me, I am kind of a geek. Uh, It was absolutely stunning what one doctor in the 50s was talking about how our systems change in reaction to say an injury mm-hmm. our normal flows of of electrical energy vibrating signals whatever you want to call it ion exchanges all of those apply uh change change course when there's an injury and they head mm-hmm. and they go to and they change course and go to the injury. And then this is almost unbelievable. Then the body de-specializes your cells into stem cells at the site, Mm -hmm. then re-specializes the cells into whatever is needed first, whether it's blood or bone or tissue or muscle and then once the healing begins, then the systems start to go back to normal. Mm-hmm. It's just absolutely stunning. But look at stem cell, um, you know, 
look at um, Christopher Reeves, right? Didn't he? He was one of the first to stand up about stem cell research and healing. And look how the medical industry went against that. Oh. You remember that when you think I don't about- actually remember that, but I do know that if it's not patentable, then there's not a lot of interest in, in our current system. But but it took a long time for stem cell research and everything to happen in this country. And, you know, I don't know about other countries, but a lot of times they're behind uh, a third world, right? But you were talking about earlier about, you know, countries on our supposed level. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think they're actually, the I think they're actually, in fact, someone asked me what I would do if I had a serious diagnosis. And um, eventually I would probably go to Germany because Mm. there is a British guy in Germany today who has invented a microscope that they say is as good or maybe even better than the original Rife microscope. And, um, And he's using this science to to treat humans. And I believe you would find it in some form in every uh, every European country, mm-hmm. some form. But Germany seems to be the most ahead. So and they also have a much they have they have a much more uh, transparent system mm-hmm. of med- medicine approving new products before they come on the market. They have to show efficacy they have to show significant efficacy they make yeah. all of the testing available to anyone who wants well, to well i, I find like we find this with software i mean that's why i brought up attention to detail with germany they do i mean look at car manufacturing and everything they did in that and safety and and it was part of that and when you look at um attention to detail safety i bring that back to europe not just germany even our software these days does nothing what you tell me about software in this country we have software engineers and apps that all come from something else that was derived right okay mm-hmm. we have google we have some things right absolutely yeah. yeah but most of all these different things that we need to use in day-to-day life beyond the googlies um turn out to be in overseas area i, I find that fascinating so yeah. i think the the whole thing you're talking about in regards to this Microsoft microscope over there is pretty um, kind of the way it is these days, right? You know, it, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I I don't know much about that particular industry. I've had, I've been up to my eyebrows in physics and medicine for so many years. I'm, I'm just you, okay, but did it help you coming out of banking? You were in corporate banking coming into this. How did that happen? Like, how did you go into now I'm going to jump into medicine like how did that whole transformation well we could go way back to my childhood I have four sisters so it was a family of five girls my mom and my dad my dad was a workaholic and my mom was just poor thing she never sat down I don't think but when my dad would come home from a long day at whatever he was doing everything changed in their household and all of a sudden we had to like dress properly and take the bobby pins out of our hair and come to the table and be nice little girls. And so it's, I started early thinking, what does he do when he leaves the house that makes him more important than all of us? So I, I when I went to college, I got a business degree because I thought that must be the secret. 
he goes somewhere and he does business. So, you know, so I, I, I entered the banking world basically because that was where I was thinking. Um, and I had a great experience, but I eventually just completely tired of corporate gamesmanship. You know, it can be pretty nasty out there and people taking credit for things that don't belong to them, people stealing ideas or whatever, you know, jockeying for position, playing politics, all of that. And I just tired of it. I did it for 21 years and I really just walked away and said, now I'm going to do what I really, really, really wanted to do all my life. I'm going to start writing books. So um, Mm. I tried to write this story some years ago, but the the book industry in itself was so confusing to me. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the voice of experience over the last twenty years. I mean, you know, oh. I know you work with books forward, and so do we, and and um, we've been working with them for over twenty years. Twenty, uh-huh. twenty, uh, insane amount of years, and um, they're one of the best um, for anybody in the world of getting your books published and promoted um, and honest. And I remember the world of self-publishing at the very beginning and going, oh, holy cow. And them going, oh, we got to fix, something's got to change. It yeah. can't be. And yet at the same time, here's the big muckety mucks, kind of like the music industry, right? Yeah. Um, I think authors may have it a little bit better. I don't know anymore i don't know i don't know it's changed podcasters don't get it because everybody else gets it anyway so you know it continues to evolve and it's uh it's always been a hard business and i think the way publishing has gone in a way which is sad is it's not so much about the quality of your writing or the quality of your story or any important messaging that might be going on it's really about celebrity Mm -hmm. if you've got two million followers that's celebrity. If you're John Grisham, that's celebrity. Yep. And they just can, you know, they just, it's, it, it, even the editing has, has really fallen down. They just can turn those books out and people will buy them. And, and God bless John Grisham for all of Britney his. Britney Spears books. just published one out of nowhere. Like, here it is, boom, out in weeks. <laughs> wow. I'm not knocking her because she's had a crazy life. And, yeah. Maybe she's been sitting on it for years and needed yeah. to tell her story. And I've heard good stuff about it. So I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying it's odd. It's celebrity. It's celebrity. What you're saying is it's celebrity. Mm-hmm. And her book will sell and it will be promoted by whoever published it because she's got a huge following. Mm-hmm. You know, easy sales are better than hard sales. I will, I will give everybody that. I understand why. Yeah. I understand. Yeah, I just, for us, I think as what we do, um, and the authors and musicians and artists that we talk to, there's an honesty and a uh, integrity to the craft that is so crucial and that we must maintain no matter what is going on with the publishers, the corporate giants, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're always going to have these giants here and there. They're the aliens that, you know, coming down to get us. Um, and speaking of aliens, I have a question for you on that. But um, oh, no, I do. It goes to it goes to them. It goes through everything. Um, but the integrity is also what your book is about, and what you're <laughs> writing is. So it's it's integrity and medicine. 
it's the medical arts. Remember when it was called the medical arts? Yeah. Because wow. think about it. Think about a dentist is sculpting, sculpting your teeth, literally at uh-huh. one point, right? Mm-hmm. I remember going to the de- and having conversations with my dentist. I'm like, you know, you're doing sculpture. You're recreating this. And he was like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, I suppose. You know, um, thank you. <laughs> I hope they last um, as long as other sculptures. But, you know, but also it is the arts. Medicine was part of the arts. It was science. called medical arts. Arts and medical. science together. Yeah, yeah. And they actually and belong together. Is. It still is, yeah. actually, when you think about it, because just like in any It's always changing and growing. Yeah. Any profession has really good practitioners and not so good practitioners mm-hmm. and terrible practitioners. So the really good ones seem to have a, what is Integrity. it? It seems like a sixth sense. They, they, they mm-hmm. can look at you and see details that other practitioners can't. They can, something can stump them and they pursue it and they come up with a treatment or an idea that that others wouldn't necessarily see. It's so, their extra sense. That's the and art. That's the art part. And yeah. that's the integrity button. Whereas the others may be going for the money button. And and I and I'm not going against that because people have to survive too. But if it's twenty cars and all that crap, then I don't yeah. care. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah. I don't need to be floating a yacht through Holland and saying take down a bridge for my yacht. You know, <laughs> anyway. Um, but, but so the integrity part, and so I feel very strongly in our company as a whole does about, um, integrity in the arts and in anything you do, whether it's a small business is to still don't cave in as much as you can. If you have to, we get it because you have to survive. So humans have to survive, right? Um, and do what you can as best you can, but don't, Always. don't let the man take you down. You Always. know, it's, I am about Rage Against the Machine, not so much the band because they've sold out a little bit lately, but it is about um, standing to in- the truth of the arts, truth of music, truth of what you're writing, medicine. Med- the medical arts is huge. Now, I want to go back to the alien thing now before I forget. The Integratron in Lucerne Valley, it, it's near Joshua Tree National Park. I encourage you to look it up. I encourage you to go because it's about sound therapy and it's about Von Tassel and the Venusians basically spoke to Von Tassel and he disappeared mysteriously. And he created what beamed up. Was he beamed up? Possibly. (laughs) I, I mean, that's what we like to believe, but you've got, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. This place, the Integratron, it's, it's been on Anthony Bourdain's show. And and they do the the you go in there it's per, into the Integraton and it's like this circular place that was built to move by the sound vibration and uh-huh. beam up. I've actually heard I've actually heard of it. A friend of mine has recommended it. I've never been there. I'm um, just saying it, it's and the like history a dome. Of it, it's yes, like a it's dome. A dome right? It's a white and, dome, and the vibrations are are you can feel the penetration. The acoustic of. chambers in there are trips. Right. So when we went in there and there's two ladies that are both from the medical background, um, seriously, the sisters that are in me- were in medicine, unless they sold it, um, are there. Um, they did Tibetan sound healing and everything, then left us alone and told us we looked younger later. And we both laughed and giggled. But 
and said, okay, let's have a margarita. That's what they did with Andy Fournette, gave him a margarita later with out of those bowls. But it, um, the history of this is fascinating and no one can really go pro or against it. Mm-hmm. So he truly believed this. And what he built is absolutely scientifically cool. And this is all from the Venusians contacting him, according to him. And there's something, the way this was built, The I'm a musician and I do know acoustics. And the acoustics in that room are insanely cool. Yeah. Um, the circular part of it and the way it works. But, I mean, you could do that with any geodome. And we've got Buckminster Fuller, who really did the geodomes, right, and really got there. So, anyway, it is about, he believed you could regenerate your cells through vibration. Well, and that is where I, I I'm think, going with that. I think there's some science to this, again, because if we are at our most fundamental vibrating energy. If we can get the alignment back throughout our body, that creates a healthy vibration. And so, yeah, we can, we, uh, and music, you can feel music. Oh, sometimes. music is it. Music can change you from yeah. being a hundred percent crying about someone breaking up with you to suddenly rocking out and feeling on top of the world, no matter what. Yeah. So there's 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 like a vibration of peace and calm that could translate into physical changes. Exactly. And, well, it and is that's what health emotional is. because it, your hormones, is. your hormones go according to your mood, too. Mm-hmm. They can either dictate or you can change your hormonal attitude. You can dictate that. Right. And right. it is about vibration because your thoughts are vibrations. Everything is a vibration. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like when, when I used to perform, I was barefoot, not that I wanted to be Janice Joplin, though. I love her. It was about, I can feel the earth. Uh-huh. I can feel stuff, you know, uh-huh. even if I was on stage, especially if I was on a wooden stage, I needed to be more connected to that than ever because shoes would throw me off yeah. and I have fallen off stage. Thank you. It's interesting. You know, <laughs> something you said earlier is something my dad always said. Um, and that is the mind is the maker. And I, I, it, it takes a while to get your arms around how really true that is. But, you know, what we believe will heal us will probably help heal us. What we believe won't heal us probably won't heal us. And in every other phase of life, what, what we are open to, what we're curious about, what we're willing to pursue, that though, those things, um, all have an effect physically on our body. And vice versa, our physical bodies have an effect on that kind of mental, spiritual, you know, uh, that realm of our being. It it, it does. But this this is a much more, I I just want to say one thing about my book, which is this kind of uh, emphasis on like sound healing and that kind of thing. That's, that's not really in my book. No. It's it's not at all in my book, but it is, except in the sense that the discovery of the great physicists like Einstein saying that everything is vibrating energy at its base was how the two scientists who, who stumbled into this area, uh, they proved what Einstein was saying and that it applies to us. Mm. Yeah. It, yeah. 
Yeah, so, and that that's that that's the important thing regarding your book. We want people to go and read it and have an adventure on their own. We can't sit and relate because it's a mystery too. It's like you know, hey, little oh, it is. Is. so you've got to go and have your own adventure with this. But it does bring this light. You're shining a light on a really oh, I hope so. issue, which I is huge. So. You know, um, it's huge. And you definitely do. I've yeah. asked. I've asked at various things that I've done. Is there anyone who's completely satisfied with medicine in our country today? And I have yet to have anyone say. I was oh, about God. to answer, and then I realized that I had to temper my my mouth. So, <laughs> nobody <laughs> so is nobody me. is happy. But well, are you doing um, any speaking engagements, uh, book groups? Because I think I think it would be so beneficial if you aren't like to do it because there's reading the book and like I don't want people, you know, that's we never finish books anymore when we start reading them because we're, we're, we've got big mouths around here and then we'll tell everybody to hear and you need to know this and you need to, you know what I mean? We'll ruin it. I don't want to, we don't want to be spoiler radio. No spoilers. No No. spoilers allowed, but I, I truly believe in our conversation and in just what you've done that once people have read it, like a book club, once they've read the book, so that it can be an open discussion. So there's no spoilers. And we're introducing basically you to our audience that has not read your book. So again, no spoilers allowed, right? Maybe right. somebody has that, that, that could totally be, um, and, and does happen. So yeah, the reality yeah. is to maybe have those conversations as a book club and through zoom or, or whatever, are you open to that kind of thing? Because oh. Yes, absolutely. But I've you done could be really busy for a long time doing that. <laughs> I, I I would like that because I I really do believe in this book. I believe in the, I love the flawed characters. I love the suspense and the tension. I I do love it, and it has a serious purpose. So I love all of that. I just did my own book club the other day, and it was it was really interesting. <laughs> the, there's a piece in there where there's where the female lead character is setting up a new home and they were all saying okay where was that i said i don't know i mean you know uh well they they ended up telling me what neighborhood it was in <laughs> well that's what i'm saying but for you to go around i love that with, if you could do more of those you're i'm talking about book clubs for your book and yeah. And talking to people going through the medical situation, because I think people that are patients, the worst part of being a patient of any medical issue is having to navigate the system. Yeah, absolutely. And not just the hospital, the no, insurance no, no. system and all of that. You understand all of that with your dad, right? I but do. it's, um, it's insane. It's pure insanity. And it's wrong that someone who's already having a hard time, and we wonder about people having high blood pressure. You even say the word medical industry to me, and I can already feel <laughs> that. And you're supposed to be the healing people, you know. I think yeah. the doctors mean well. I mean, they go in. I agree. I think the doctors, the signed anybody going in there to heal, the nurses, oh, my God, people cleaning up everyone's puke and vomit and pee on the floors and all of that. God bless you because yeah. you're doing incredible work. 
And that and that is that is a point I would like to stress is not only have I talked to my own internist about all of these things, and I'm hoping to do a speaker series which would be Zoom oriented. Mm-hmm. And I wanna I wanna I wanna interview her because she's a medically trained doctor mm-hmm. and um and yet she is really curious about all of this stuff. And I haven't really talked, I talked to my ophthalmologist not too long ago and all these specialists, and they all agree that something is broken and they don't know what it is, but they have the sense that the cost of medicine, the efficacy, you know, we rarely hear about being cured. We hear about extensions of life whether it's for six days or six months or six years, it, it's it's never, this will cure you. Curing mm. is, is stayed away from. And so we've kind oh, of... Oh, yeah. You our get a lawsuit. Our because of lawsuits. <laughs> well, I don't know. Our expectations have been diminished. Mm. We don't expect to be cured. We expect to get a little more time. Or a little pill. You know, that's that's sad. How did you find out about the microscope? I'm fast. I, listen, I love microscopes. I'm just, and I just know that we have the money in this country to put money. We're going to space. We have money for microscopes. So yeah, we, we I would. call a big BS to the non-microscope thing, right? I just call yeah. somebody else is getting bigger money than what it would pay for us to have the microscope and heal our country and possibly the world through this kind of stuff, right? So um, I call major, you know, so how did you find out about it in the beginning? Well, let me try to condense what could be a very long story. When I was in my mid thirties, I got a very, very, very bad infection and it was throughout my body. I had visible down my shins, down my arms, down my sides. And if I put my arms down, it hurt. Wow. Yeah. These lumps were, were painful. And so I, I, I lived in San Francisco at that time and I went to my internist and he, you know, examined me. Then he sent me to one specialist after the oh other. Oh God. You know, yeah. the, Here you start. Yeah. The exotic disease guy, the cancer guy, the this, the that, the that. And no one could figure it out. And they tried everything that they have, which is steroids and antibiotics and. Well, at least I didn't get radiation. But anyway, they tried everything they had and nothing affected it. Nothing. So a guy that I worked with then back in the old corporate banking days said to me, Audrey, what have you got to lose? You need to come with me to my acupuncturist. So I thought, well, I really don't have much to lose. So off I went. His acupuncturist was in Oakland. So we crossed the bay and I went to this acupuncturist and she's the first thing she did was use one of her needles to stab one of my lumps to see what was. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And it hurt. <laughs> and, and she said, who cares, who cares what you call it? You have a major infection throughout your body. Well, I had come to think of it. It was, you could see that it was connected to the lymph system. You could see it. Oh, yeah. So I thought I had lymphoma. She gave me a treatment. Then she sent me to her doctor brother, Dr. O number two, who was the herbalist. And he gave me this nasty bunch of powdered herbs and said, you may not eat anything. You may have vegetable smoothies with as much garlic and onion. And these, oh, yeah, are, yeah. 
as you can possibly tolerate. And you can have it as many times a day as you want, which what a, what a benefit. Anyway, it was absolutely miraculous. I am not kidding you. Within a day, the pain was going away. The lumps were going away. I started to feel better. I started to look normal again. And I went back to my internist in San Francisco and I said, you need to examine me and I want to hear what you think. And he said, oh, wow, what have you done? And I said, acupuncture and herbs. And he said, he said something that was interesting. He said, well, I believe that there's a place for Western medicine and a place for Eastern. And I believe the place for Western medicine is when your body can no longer heal itself. So I don't know, you know, maybe there's something. I, I there. get that, but I don't. Well, mm. I don't know if I believe it completely either. I think if I had a really bad accident, you know, like in a like in a car, run over by a car or something, I think that's when Western medicine really could be beneficial. Yeah, but then I go back to Ayurveda being the first form of medicine and healing a broken arm. Yeah, so, you know, I understand. It, I think it's just I not really, that prevalent here. That the problem no, is no, you wouldn't know where both, to go for that. They have to work together. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's the science and the cloth need to unite because there's also spirituality, which freaks out the other side. You know what I mean? Yeah. Spirituality freaks out, which is part of the Eastern side of medicine because of, and, and Western medicine has ignored mental health a lot of times too. It's like psychiatrists and here's your pill, which I, I, I'm not saying don't God, we need more mental health things, but it's the whole body, the whole. And I think that's the key key difference really, isn't it? Eastern medicine really tries to look holistically at your entire being including the field around you that vibrates, including everything inside of you, where your head's at. You know, all of that is, 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 is figures in. But who so, knew about the microscope? Okay, wait, I got to go back to the microscope. Okay, okay. So, so you went, yeah, I get, okay, going back to that. Well, so I can't remember if, did we finish? Anyway, so, so that was the first real eye-opening experience I had. And then I had several more, including my father being diagnosed with leukemia. And being healed by sound vibrations is bizarre. It was bizarre. But and he he died years later of pneumonia. He did not die of of leukemia. But after he had been exposed to this sort of vibratory uh, approach, he went back to his doctors and said, "Examine me. Tell me what you think." And they said, "Oh my God, what have you done?" They said this is the damnedest case of spontaneous remission they had ever seen. Now, he couldn't tell them what he had done because it was given to us by my vet. <laughs> and it was my vet who told me about these two men to start with. So anyway. Well, an animal doctor knew. An animal uh, doctor. And he also said to me, you know, I have more freedom than an MD. I have more freedom treating animals being a little more experimental than I would if I were treating human beings. So he, he, he did have that advantage, but anyway, so, um, so it was after my dad was cured of leukemia that I thought there, there has to be a reason that we pay so much and, and suffer so much and 
and and can't and can't afford our own medicine and generally have problems with the medicines themselves and so on. There has to be a reason why something as simple as listening to a series of vibrations and having it almost instantaneously start to work, having it be so cheap and so effective. There has to be a reason why this isn't available. Why don't we know this? And that's what led me into the human trial. So I did do research on those scientists and their science. And then I created a, 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 a story of with flawed characters carrying us through to the conclusion of the human trial. See, we did, we did full circle. We did it. <laughs> I love it. I, but I mean, that's hefty what you've done. And I totally respect and honor your work. Thank um, you. Because Thanks. other people would go do the whistleblowing side too. Mm-hmm. And it is almost a whistleblower, right? In a way in, mm-hmm. in, in that, but sometimes it has to be the story is this sugar that makes the medicine go down that we don't really want that medicine even, yeah. um, you know what I mean? But the stories, that's why I bring up the arts again, the arts are what connect science is a lot of times the mumbo jumbo that nobody, they just, their brains turn off yeah. their brains. Turn, and I get it, man. At the end of the day, you're going to start throwing medical stuff at me. I'm like, yeah, it's hard. And why why do we have all this jargon that makes it impossible for the common man to understand? Why do we have so many complex diseases now that we didn't have? Yeah, that's a question. Well, don't start me on that because I'll answer. <laughs> we'll, we'll be here for 10 hours. But um, Audrey, thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait that you're going to have a second one out, right? So you got a trilogy, sounds like a trilogy. A trilogy. Going. I'm going to have a trilogy bringing it all the way into the COVID era. Um, oh, I'm good God. With that's going to be crazy. You're going to yeah. have to go to China. <laughs> that's going to be crazy. That is going to be crazy. Um, then the next one, as I said, is, is roughed out pretty well. I mean, it's written, but it's not publishing quality just yet. Mm. But I'm going to go to from the 30s to the 70s to the 2020s. And so it'll be multi-generational, but everyone, there will be connections and um, so at the end of this trilogy, I will have made my point several times that that something so easy and fundamental has been suppressed for a very, 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 very well, long Well, I would like to add a fourth one. Yes. The 60s, 70s one takes this in. And that is the power of psychedelics. Because people are starting to find that out now and the power of mushrooms, not, not to get high and, and all of that. No. Um, the there's healing qualities in mushrooms. And if you look at the history of agriculture, see, I told you this would be 10 years if I bring up why we're so sick. We've taken away things that we used to eat, right? Yeah. Yeah. In the name of agriculture. And, and I listen, I love our farmers. So please, farmers, I love you. I'm not going against you. But we got into this certain type of thing. And then mushrooms were part of it and psychedelics and things like that. And we've been doing psychedelics since cavemen times. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was part of healing in some ways. So they're archaeologically finding this now. And yeah. so um, I don't know how much of that is truth or not. But I'm I fascinated. Either. I have no idea. About I- it. So I'm just one. I just think you're the person to go and do it. 
<laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. I'm not, I'm not into getting like tripped out all the time, but hey, I don't know. But I haven't done that since I was a kid. Like, you know what I mean? You have your stupid stuff in teens, but I'm not talking about that. They are finding medical reasons of things being beneficial, but it it's like, oh, only now, like pot was taken away because of the hearse, like wanted to do some other kind of agricultural crop and it was going to go against that. That's a, so supposedly. Um, so there's always a reason, an industry reason for some things not coming to be, to be taken away from the table that we were already doing as a human yeah. society. It's called so, money. It's yes. called money. It's yes. simple. It's simple. It's just like my discovery of what made my dad more important than all of us girls. He who controls the money is the is oh, the see, but, that, but that, that's it. So anyway, you know? please please jump into the psychedelia thing because why are we into psychedelics now when they've been there from ancient times, and only oh. now are we allowed to get into that. You know, I will add to that thought about that. I know nothing about that world, but I do have a very dear friend who has suffered major depression, really serious depression, and he is under a doctor's care doing something called ketamine. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know what it is, but it is a hallucinogenic, I assume, of some sort. And he feel he tells me that he feels like under the doctor's care, so he's very safe. Mm-hmm. He feels like he can feel his brain changing. So Amazing. I think what you're saying has some validity. Not I don't I know anything, anything about listened, it. I've just listened to a bunch of stuff that I shouldn't probably listen to. I don't know. I don't do it. But all I know is there's something that we have been doing since ancient times that got taken off the platform since industry came around, the yeah. word industry. And now it's slowly coming back in, and there's a lot of people trying to say hello, hello, hello. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it even goes with marijuana and everything. But I'm not saying everyone should. I'm not saying get high. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's fascinating to me that it was ancient there in ancient times, and we're not like it's weird. So mm-hmm. it kind of goes with the microscope. That that's my point. Yeah. So. I just yeah. think you're the person for that job. So well, I, don't, I don't know about that. I do have <laughs> two books on my desk already. I know, <laughs> I know. But Audrey, thanks again for joining us. And everyone, keep up with Audrey. Her website is AudreyGaleAuthor.com. And that's Gale is G-A-L-E. AudreyGaleAuthor.com. The links are in the show notes. No, whether you're, If you're listening on uh, Spotify, YouTube, wherever, um, the links are there. And again, the book is The Human Trial by author Audrey Gale. Thank you so much for joining us. Can I just add one quick quick comment, which is I am very open to doing book clubs. So you can reach me through my my email site. And um, I'd love to do some book clubs and book book groups. So you can do that. Absolutely. That's awesome. I think it'd be fantastic. How many Thank people you. have got all these questions and just to have a conversation. Yeah. I yeah. think that's a huge thing with everyone going through medical stuff. It's like, let's have this conversation right. and that can start a movement for change. That's my right. point on that. Change so. and transparency. Oh, love it. Love it. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Big Blend Radio. Keep up with our shows at BigBlendRadio.com.